Digital Marketing Radio, episode 158. How to use analytics to grow your business. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Digital Marketing Radio is part of the 3B Podcast Network. UK casters talking business growth. Find out more over at 3BPN.com The Big Interview with David Bain I'm David Bain and today I'm joined by a man who can help you improve how you gather data and use it to improve your business. Welcome to DMR, the analytics growth guy, Carl Stabe. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Well, thanks for joining me, Carl. Well, you can find Carl over at dominoconnection.com and I'll include a, like, a link to that in the in the show notes, of course. But um, Carl, um, how often should a business look at its website analytics? I think it depends on the type of business that you have um, and... Usually, probably the more traffic that you have and the more sales you have, the closer look you should have um, at your website analytics. The more um, data you have, the more you can track. And when you start tracking, you start to see those trends. And I think that's one of the biggest, if anybody could take anything away from this interview is, is being able to track what you can gather and then keep on top of that at least on a regular basis. It might be once a day, it might be once a month, um, it might be once a quarter, just depending on the type of business. So you think even if you're a small business owner, you need to get comfortable with reviewing your website stats? Yeah. Too, I've heard too often people come to me and say, yeah, I, I need to redesign my website. And I'm like, okay, well, What's going on behind the scenes? Uh, where are people, you know, how many people are coming to your site? What's your conversion rate? And I would say probably about 90% of them can't answer me. Right. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that's a big pitfall because if you don't know what's working and what's not, how do you know what direction to go in? So the most important thing to know, uh, I mean, maybe the top three things, would you put it as, you need to have a goal, a call to action, and know your conversion rate to that? Or are there other stats that are more important than that? Those are probably very close to the top three, but it depends on uh, if you're going after ads, if you're doing uh, digital products, if you're um, looking for client-based uh, forms for people to fill out. Um, you know, So if you're a plumber, um, you might want people to call you. I mean, it's probably one of the best ways for a mechanic or a contractor to close a deal um, versus uh, someone who sells digital products online. You know, the sales page is probably much more important to them than um, someone calling them. So in terms of a telephone number, can that only be tracked through the power of using paid ads? Or is that something that um, can be tracked now through organic reach? I mean, um, is it possible just to use a telephone number that um, you know is, is just on your website and because of that, um, you can track that through your Google Analytics, for instance, now? Yeah, um, it's amazing the amount of uh, the different types of things you can track. Um, but yeah, I mean, a simple thing as in um, using a different phone number on your website than you do in other places. So uh, basically, you might have 10 phone numbers. Uh, one might be based on your website. One might be based on a certain ad that you place um, on Google, certain ad on Facebook, all depending on how much you're spread out. 
Um, but yeah, just tracking, does that phone number work on your website? Do people call you? Um, and you can even have different phone numbers in different spots on your website, which is, um, might be getting a little bit too much in, in detail, but yeah, yeah. I mean, the more you can kind of isolate things, the more you get a better idea of, of really what's working for you. And is it easy enough to get different phone numbers uh, in the in the US? Is, is it costly for a small business to get 10 different phone numbers? No, it's not that costly. Um, I don't know the cost. Most of my clients uh, uh, deal with that. So it's kind of like, okay, I want to be able to track this. We want to know how many people call you each month. Um, and uh, let's get a, you know, let's get this phone number, a different phone number put on there. Okay. Um, so I don't know the exact cost. I'm not sure what it would be in the UK either. No, um, neither do I. You know, that's why <laughs> I asked. You know, I like to get a feel for obviously what it's like for the the average business person. You know, and um, ask the kind of questions that um, I, I guess they'll be thinking of as well. But um, with regards to someone who perhaps hasn't used analytics much at all in the past, and they're they're, they're, they're perhaps even setting up Google Analytics or another tracking service for the first time after they implement it. What are a few of the first things that um, you would advise someone to do to actually look at and keep a track of on a regular basis? Uh, yeah, good question. I almost uh, don't know where to start, but I think number one is, is probably traffic. How much traffic are you getting? Um, and where is that traffic coming from? And then, um, you know, what's the conversion rate on that traffic? If people from Facebook ads are converting um, at half what Google ads is, uh, you can start to then say, well, Facebook cost, um, you know, six tenths of what Google, uh, Google ads does, but we get twice as many leads. So there's that 10% gap. Um, so I think... You know the you know to really kind of dig in there. I would I would start basically with traffic. Are they getting to the page that you want them to, and are they taking action on those pages? Okay, it's interesting that you start with paid traffic as well there. So you reckon start with um, probably optimizing your individual page to begin with, mm -hmm. and then drive as much paid traffic or as much traffic towards that page as possible to actually test conversion rates after that? It's great to have organic traffic, uh, but it takes time. Mm. And a lot of times small business owners don't have time for that. And it's, it's harder to really, uh, you know, you might get a ton of traffic uh, organically from Google search or even Facebook shares, um, but it's harder to track how well that converts. Um, usually it's a lower conversion rate just because it's uh, it's not something you can just keep on checking on a daily or, or weekly basis. Um, with Facebook ads, you can basically say, I'm going after this group of people, um, create like two, three different types of ads, and then see what performs well and, and how much it costs uh, you know, per uh, conversion. So if it's like $3 or $6, but you know you they're worth like uh, $49 to you each person um, or each conversion. And you know like, okay, if five people come and they cost six bucks, that's 30 bucks. But I know on average, I'll at least make $50 or $49 off of that. So now you can ramp up that those ad spend and know that you'll be able to stay ahead of the game. 
So you obviously need to be ahead of your analytics with regards to every single ad, every single landing page. And if you're not, then you could actually be spending more money than you're making on ads. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's just that simple return on investment, right? Like, am I putting more money into this than I'm getting back? So you mentioned Facebook ads a couple of times there. What would be a couple of examples of the styles um, and perhaps the content of fairly effective Facebook ads at the moment? And also, what would be a couple of good examples of a landing page, a, a decent landing page call to action? Would it be a good idea, for for example, to actually have a very simple call to action? Or do videos work well? What works well on a landing page, basically, as well? Oh, that's the million-dollar question right there. Um, and man, I, I I wish I could say, you know, this is the way to do it. Um, but every, every client's different and every business is different. And the trigger points for their customers are, are different. One, uh, you want maybe somebody uh, smiling and looking directly at uh, the ad to look directly at the person browsing on Facebook, um, which builds trust. Uh, but then... Um, that doesn't always work, right? <laughs> you, you think what you think might work uh, a lot of times doesn't. So 80% of most uh, A-B tests fall flat. Most people really don't care maybe one way or the other. Um, uh, you might you use a man or, uh, or a woman on the ad, right? Mm. Um, and uh, I don't know how much A-B testing you've done. A fair amount. I mean, I, I started out uh, using multivariable tests as well as um, A-B tests, but it seems to be that A-B tests are the ones to go for now. I mean, is multivariable test still something that's common? Uh, probably not. You can, um, but usually what I found, if you're going to do a multivariate uh, test, it's almost better to go so extreme where it almost becomes like an A-B test. So I guess... People in the audience, real quick, if you don't know what an A-B test is, it's basically creating two different pages. It could be a landing page. Let's say you're trying to capture their email um, and you change one thing on that page. And a multivariate is changing multiple things and trying to track all the different changes to see what people prefer. Um, and basically what you're doing is you're splitting traffic between the two pages and seeing which performs better. Uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, I, I'll come back and I'll, I'll lean on, on isolating what exactly works well versus what doesn't. Um, so I've done tests and thinking, oh man, we're, we're going to nail it with this pain point could be something, um, simple like, uh, you know, uh, lose 10 pounds in 10 days and it doesn't work that well. And you're like, well, who doesn't want to, I mean, if people are, Let's say they part of Facebook groups, right? The analytics uh, or the, the way they can segment people out. Um, you know, maybe they like Jenny Craig um, Facebook page. Maybe they liked, um, you know, circuit training, whatever it is. And you're like, okay, this is an ad that's a perfect fit for them. And uh, it wasn't. And the reason is, is just for the fact that it wasn't what they wanted at that time. And so that's one of the biggest parts about, understanding when you create something is okay nothing wrong with trying something different out but understand really what makes them take action on facebook what makes them take action on uh google ads 
And that's when you can, you know, it takes time. It takes time to dig down, but that's when you can start to see those results and be like, oh, okay. They don't want to lose 10 pounds in 10 days. Maybe they're more on overall wellness and that it makes a completely different type of ad, which then changes the whole landing page and allows you to start to then figure out how can you connect with those, with your ideal type of customers. I've heard from a few people that you should always just focus on newsfeed advertising on Facebook. Is that what you find as well? Uh, that goes directly into their feed. Yes, as, a, um, as opposed to the sidebar or, or somewhere else on Facebook. Yeah, it does convert the best. Um, reason is, is uh, that's where most people look. I mean, uh, I think Facebook pretty much has it down. They're going to try to optimize, you know, the little sidebar um, ad. Uh, you're, you're just paying less for that and you're paying less. Uh, you're paying a little bit maybe for the eyeballs, but uh, the conversion isn't working as well. But sometimes that's okay because it's it's nice to be subtle and it's nice to be in the background. So depends on uh, what they're really going for. Sometimes you're going for branding uh, on Facebook, which I would say larger companies, smaller companies. Yeah, I would say focus on the on the newsfeed. And do you think it's important to try and actually use some of the same imagery from your ad on your landing page and also some of the, f the same text and phraseology that you've got in your ad on your landing page or is it not that important to tie them up that closely congruency is very important i think the more comfortable you can make people feel uh, it's kind of like you know visiting an old friend <clears throat> i don't know how um how often you've you've seen an old friend but they always have that feeling like man it feels like no time has passed between us mm. And I think it's that that psychology of of you know creating an ad. Um, it might be only ten seconds that have gone by, but it does make a difference. If you say quick in your ad and you say fast on your landing page, yeah, you're you're throwing people off a little bit, and you're making it harder for them to understand uh, what's the benefit of actually reaching out to you. So Facebook's obviously something that um, you're very comfortable with. Um, Google AdWords, is that not getting too expensive nowadays or is there still quite a bit of profit to be made from that if you do it correctly? Yeah, yeah. Uh, same thing, ROI, right? Like you might be in a small niche. Let's say you do uh, gardening and you do um, potted plants. I'm not saying that's, uh, you know, that maybe it's a little too niche, right? But I'm just saying like, you handle people's potted plants. You create this amazing effect on people's patios and the way they hang and the way they droop and the different types of flowers that work together and maybe some different uh, uh, lengths. And you might only pay like a dollar fifty per click. And that's worth it because if you get, let's say you spend 80 bucks, but out of those 150 per click and you convert one out of 10, and out of one out of 10, you are able to close one out of five. You're going to make your ROI back on that because you might charge them 800 bucks, right? To come out there for the day, create a plan. Um, and then, you know, you might be able to upsell them like, hey, I'll go buy the plants for you. The plants are guaranteed for one year. And now you then add on an extra $700 to that. And now you've made $1,500 off of spending $80 on ads. And what about user testing? Is user testing 
just as important as looking at your analytics? I think user testing is important to get a better understanding of what to A-B test. Are you talking about like heat maps and stuff like that? Yeah, um, well, there are different they uses for users. I mean, I'm thinking of the website usertesting.com, which I've used a little bit in the past, and you can get people to effectively do anything you want uh, in terms of actually testing how certain processes or even mm, I see what you're the, saying. the initial look and feel of your website. And you can get whatever feedback you want from users, but it's not going to be necessarily you know, as statistically relevant maybe as you can get from your own stats. So I'm just wondering if they can deliver the same things or perhaps they deliver completely different things? I think they're more different than uh, the same. And the reason I say that is most of the time user testing is based on something that's new, um, something, uh, a new product that you're, you're creating and you want people to test it out. Um, once you start making sales or once you start getting people using the product, um, then you there's a complete there's a different mindset of someone you pay to say hey play with this and let me know what you think versus someone that's actually a customer willing to pay you money for it and then give you feedback on that and that's way more valuable because that is your prime type of customer versus somebody that you pay that might not have any interest in in what you actually are selling Okay, great. Well, coming up, we're going to be learning about the one piece of software that Carl couldn't live without. But first of all, I'd like to thank a couple of recent reviewers of the Digital Marketing Radio podcast and iTunes. So um, Coops of Small Business Blitz from Australia said, thank you, David, for sharing your tips and art of storytelling and digital marketing business. I'm very pleased with your podcast. Great job. And TNRT iTunes from the USA said, really awesome podcast. I enjoy listening every time. The format's perfect. I like hearing the same questions repeated for different guests to get different and multiple perspectives. David digs deep and pulls out the most valuable insights for listeners. Check it out. So both of you, I really appreciate that feedback. So thank you very much, guys. But let's Segue into the second section of our discussion today, and that focuses on Carl's thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So, Carl, what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? I'm actually building some software because of the lack of really good software out there. So I use um, currently use Google Docs to... Uh, get feedback from for my clients and for myself. Um, and what I found is a very large group are fence sitters on the. And usually, have you ever heard of NPS? I don't believe so. Um, it's basically a net promoter score. Oh yeah, and, I've heard of uh, that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, what I found is most of my clients. The whenever we get feedback from um, them, they they jump on top of the lower scores. Like, oh, I'm so sorry you had this experience. How can you know? How can we fix it? But I I think what ends up happening is too often 
those people, um, the ones that complain, they're probably not coming back to you um, because they've had a, a, a great bad experience. It's those mid-level and high-level people that, um, I mean, you you have to reply back to them, don't get me wrong, because you want to fix their problem so they don't badmouth you to 10 of their friends. Um, but I think it, it's the missing gap of the, uh, you know, that middle group, the six, sevens uh, and eights. Those people are right on the fence of really liking you um, and could you can turn them into fans um, and actually um, going to it. I don't think it'll be ready by the time you send out this podcast, but I'm beta testing right now. It's called dominofeedback.com. And the idea is to track your feedback every single week, month, quarter, and be consistent with it. And the more you can start to track how many fans you have, um, and that's usually people who give you 10 out of 10, um, the more likely that you can then start to utilize them. But it's, I find the, the changes I've made on the website have come from the people who are six, seven, and eights. The ones that are saying, yeah, you did okay, but, and there's always that but in that group. And those are those insights have helped me create, you know, double the, double the conversion or double the income on sales pages or landing pages. Yeah. I love that um, advice or listening to just certain elements of your feedback, because I can't remember who I heard it from, but I was, I was listening to someone recently and they were saying, always check out um, your competitors' products on Amazon and look at their two and three star ratings and look at the feedback associated with that because that'll be constructive feedback. Um, That'll be customers that aren't that happy but um, feel that, you know, your product could possibly be a good product if they listen to you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so, but a lot of companies don't have that, ability, right? Like they can't, uh, it might be, you might have a, um, a software product. You might have a service that's not going to be on Amazon, right? You can't look plumbers up on Amazon. Um, you can go, you know, on Yelp, but you don't see what people are, are the, are what's happening in your own business. And that's so important, Uh, especially when you start to grow your business and you get more and more people, uh, you know, helping you out and doing different you know, jobs for you. That's when you need to, you know, check in with that stuff more and more often and, and, and use and use that as a, as a tool. And I, I think uh, as a quick side note, I think there's a lot of fear in that uh, because you don't want that negative feedback. It's almost like, well, if I don't ask, then I don't really, I won't really have to know what bad things people might be thinking about me or saying about me. But if you don't open up to that, man, that's, it's kind of a shitstorm if, if it goes wrong and you're not willing to nip it in the bud before they hop on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn. Okay, well, that was an interesting answer to the question to actually focus on <laughs> software that um, you're, you're going to build. Um, so. Software that I, well, I would say Google Docs is, is probably, I use that with my, I would say probably Google Docs is one of the highest. That and um, my A-B testing software, uh, Visual Website Optimizer. 
Okay, okay. Well, um, here's another well, slightly more challenging question. That is, what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about? So a third-party piece of software here, uh, belonging to someone else, and, and mm. you've heard good things about it, and you intend to try at some point in the near future. I heard really good things about Unbounce, mm -hmm. which is a landing page software. Um, they do a really good job of testing. It's a little on the pricey side, but it's really well built and constructed. Yeah, it's great for non-developers, just marketers that just want to get pages up and perhaps actually... Yes, exactly. They've got coders who work for them that just don't have the time to actually build new web pages for them. Yeah, and that's, there's a lot of probably people out there in the audience that are like, I want to get a landing page up quick. How do I do that? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, I'll include um, links to those resources in the, the show notes at uh, digitalmarketingradio.com, but moving on to... I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? When I started interviewing my clients' customers, you know, we would do... we would. We do feedback forms, um, but to actually hear their voice inflection, to talk with them, to kind of dig a little bit deeper. We usually only talk for like 10 minutes, but I've got some really good insights out of that. Things where they might not have shared otherwise, maybe they would have gone more surface and to dig a little bit deeper and found those pain points um, and really kind of find the, that stuff that they either need to improve or that stuff we need to start putting on the website that really creates those triggers for people. So you wish you'd stopped hiding behind the computer and just picked up the phone and met people and talked to people more. And, yeah. yeah. I, I always get, I mean, even when I do an interview like this, like I'm always at the, during it and at the end, I'm like, I, I like to do more of these and even interviewing people myself, right? Mm. Like, it's the interaction, uh, uh, the insights, the the stuff I don't like. That question I've never really thought about before until you just asked it right now. But like, yeah, what is one thing I, I would have done sooner? That that probably would be it. Like, you know, kind of dig a little bit deeper and go and and allow to, you know, the uh, the talk to people instead of, like you said, instead of hiding behind the computer. Yeah, yeah. It's easy done. And to a certain degree... That's what everyone did, certainly seven or ten years ago or so, because online marketing was online, and then offline marketing was offline, and then you you did that, and the two didn't meet. But now it's all marketing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we still uh, so many people. I mean, like you said, like I mean, you used to it used to be standard to do in person groups where you would have them try the product, you would interview them. You would find out their pain points, what's working, what's not. Um, and now we have so much data that we're almost swimming in. And that's one of the key things that I, I, I hope people take away is just start small, start baby steps. Like, you know, once a month, set it on your calendar to take 20 minutes to kind of dig through and, and see what's a popular page and where are people going after that on your site? Um, man, because the, uh, so many little things you can do, it's, you're almost, you almost hand, you get hand tied because you don't know where to start. So, you know, just 
take it easy, have a good cup of coffee and set that 20 minutes aside and, and try to dig in there a little bit. And you'll start to warm up to it. And once you start, you'll realize you wish you would have done it like, you know, five, 10 years ago. <laughs> um, eat that frog, I think Brian Tracy calls it. Yes. You just have to do the thing that maybe maybe feels a little bit awkward to begin with. But once you're doing it, it's um, you wish you'd done it a long time ago. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to... The this or that round. So um, this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. And just two rules here. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. Are you ready to go? Oh, yeah. Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Audio. Affiliates or display advertising? Affiliates. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. <laughs> Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one. Paid search or SEO? Both. Email contact form or telephone number? Email. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email. And local marketing or global marketing? It depends on your business. Local. Uh, you just uh, managed to... Um, to I use... only had one both, right? Exactly, exactly. And I used it. Yeah, yeah. And um, I can't remember the last time someone said Google+. Plus. I think I'm seriously going to have to um, revisit these questions, or a few of them, because um, I've now done it for 158 episodes, this, the same questions there. And that will actually provide a lot of... You should say LinkedIn or Twitter. LinkedIn or Twitter. Yeah. Okay, okay. So because that's... they're more business focused, I think. Instead of Facebook, so not have Facebook in there at all. If yeah, because Facebook one is the dominant one that most people go to. It's the the user, or the daily user users is off the charts versus LinkedIn or Twitter. I think they lag way behind. Um, but it would be interesting, like where do you get more leads from, or just but just the idea of Twitter or LinkedIn. I mean, that would be t- that'd be tough for me. Let me ask you, LinkedIn or Twitter? Oh, I, I, I use right? them both. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. It is a tough one. Yeah, because I do. So you got to, hey, you got to say one or the other. Well, initial reaction would be Twitter, probably because I use it slightly more often. But mm-hmm. in reality, I probably get more value out of LinkedIn. Mm. So <laughs> it is so a tough one. So then it would be LinkedIn, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. The more yeah. I think about it, it's probably LinkedIn. For business, but then you get more enjoyment out of Twitter. Exactly, exactly. So it's interesting. So that's a tough, yeah. And there um, you go. Another, another question, question for you. I'm thinking of is maybe live streaming video or pre-recorded video. What would I prefer? Yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that one? I don't think it matters too much. I would say live just for the fact that I don't think you're going to go back and edit heavy this heavy. I've done some pre-recorded stuff that is like cut and edited but for the most part i would say 99 percent of my stuff is basically like live like here it is here he said he let they leave in the ums and the ahs mm. and they if he flubs then he flubs and it's just going into the podcast or the interview or whatever 
So it's basically live in that case. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I guess there's different types of live. There's live off the cuff, just interacting with people and just giving your opinion on something. And there's live a bit prepared, you know, not reading a script, but um, just having a little bit of a direction and you kind of know where you're going. Mm. I like number two better. Yeah, I, 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 I love this newer form of producing content online, using video, using podcasting, and um, it's rapidly changing at the moment. And it's, it's kind of exciting to see what it's going to look like over the next six months, 12 months. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to change so fast. That's why I almost, I, when I first started, I started helping people with social media and it was just a game I couldn't keep up with. Um, and even, uh, even the Facebook and the Google ad changes. I mean, it, just from last year to now, uh, it's, it's tough keeping up. Um, that's why you see so many people who get a following, they stop client work and they'll do trainings um, because it's much more straightforward and easier to expand the business than it is working with people one-on-one. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's move on to you. The $10,000 question. So if I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? I would probably spend uh, it on developing domino feedback so the iterations the the beta testing would go faster so would you spend it on getting another developer or another tester in or something else i would probably uh spend money on ads driving traffic there so we could probably speed up the process of figuring out what works and what doesn't my number one takeaway well um carl you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation but um what would you say is the number one takeaway what's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their businesses? If you think you need to redesign your website, you probably don't. Um, I know it, it can, it makes you feel good and nice to have a fancier looking site. Um, but some of the best sites out there are just very simple, very straightforward, easy to navigate. Um, and I would suggest looking at those analytics what's going on behind the scenes um, and start making small changes versus the splashy change. That's great advice because you're probably someone that is visiting your website every day. So you're likely to get fed up of it fairly quickly. But just because you do that, it doesn't mean that your customers do that. Your customers are probably maybe visiting your website you know, once in a blue moon, maybe once every few months. It depends on what product or service you offer, of course. But if you change your website often, then you're probably going to confuse and perhaps even anger your customers because they're not going to be able to find your navigation or they don't have any touch point that they're aware of from beforehand or so. So you're probably annoying your customers rather than helping them. Yeah, yeah. The user experience of it, yeah. Wonderful. Yep. Yeah. Well, I reckon that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time and your advice. What, what's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Uh, dominoconnection.com. Maybe when this goes live, uh, they'll be able to see Domino feedback and all the, the, the cool data they can gather from um, customer service. Well, hopefully that's the case, but um, I'm sure they know... Um, obviously where to reach out to you um, when uh, you do get it done. Um, do, do you actually have a launch date in mind, uh, Carl? 
yes, the end of this month. But I think uh, my developer is like, okay, just give me a couple <laughs> more weeks. I'm guessing. Uh, I think we're close. We're so close to start doing some some beta testing, and um, so we're but. I would probably say we're probably about 10, 14 days out. All right. Okay. So the end of this month, we're recording this on 28th of June, 2016. And the podcast will go live on the 4th of July. So fairly soon in a week's time. But um, just after that, um, you'll have it out there. But um, if it's a little bit later and it's right, then that's not um, any major problem at all. Um, So great stuff um so thanks to carl and thank you dear listener too if you enjoy what carl shared today tell us what you think an itunes review is always good like to you heard in the middle of this podcast i might even read it out um in a future episode as well and of course the twitter's your thing at david bain is my handle so what are your thoughts on this episode um whatever your thoughts on what carl said or maybe you'd like to suggest a future guest um whatever you'd like to say it'd be good to hear from you so Until we meet again, be fantabulous and do one thing that scares you. Adios. Thanks again, Carl. Great episode. Thank you.